First name, Mr. Last name, Glass. Is it possible that there are no coincidences? I see dead people. Welcome back to Chronologically, this podcast. Myself and Eric. Hey, how's it going, Jeff? It's going well, thank you. How are you? I am super. It is a sunny Sunday afternoon. I just realized I never asked you back because I'm rude. Uh, what we do on this podcast, we go through uh, full filmographies chronologically, and this is season three, and we're going through M. Night Shyamalan, and uh, it's a special week because we have a guest with us from my other podcast, The Movie Draft House. It's Mark. What's up? Spe- Hello, Mark. Special Ed Week. <laughs> I was rude. Special I'm who? I'm sorry, yes. I shouldn't. Yeah, I'll edit it out. I'm used to having to do that because uh, I work with Eric and he often goes off on tangents defending terrible people <laughs> and you never hear it because it hits the cutting room floor. Anyway, um, so Mark, you specifically said when I when I said, hey, season three is going to be M. Night Shyamalan, you said, hey, can I do signs? And I said, sure. Why? Uh, it's uh, it's my favorite M. Night film uh it's one of my favorite films altogether uh it i'm I'm a big mel gibson fan i grew up you know mel gibson fan and uh this film when i saw when i first saw it it's just it's so well done uh and it's it's so um it tells emotions in such a uh a grounded but supernatural way and i say supernatural because it's a film that involves aliens but that's not really supernatural but um there's a supernatural element to it he's a religious man in the film so um i just this is my favorite m night film and i i watch it like once every seven eight years um and i fall in love with it over and over again that's a good reason so uh how about you eric what's your history with signs um, like Mark, man, uh, this is probably, this is probably my M night movie. You know, like if I had to pick one, you know, we played the game at the end of, uh, Spielberg where I was like, pick one and the rest of them get thrown in the fire. Um, it's probably the one I would pick to save. Like, I, I really love this. I, I saw this at the theater, um, and have watched it a number of times since it's uh it's kind of like war of the worlds it's like me and my wife's one of one of our films you know like this is something that we go back to over and over again um so i hadn't seen it for seven eight years maybe and uh so last night sat down watched it with the wife watched it with the 10 year old tried to watch it with the seven-year-old he tapped out real quick like really straight to the tablet putting on his headphones like ah no can't do it didn't even make it to the basement no oh god no no he didn't even make it you know to the corn circles like he he was out like just the opening score was like enough for him like the credits he was like no this is scary this is scary the music did him in um but yeah i i i also love this movie um I also love Mel Gibson in this movie. Um, we we can talk about Mel and and his situations. I'm, so I got a new rule. Like just in general, I get tired of talking about these dudes. 
I when think we that, talk I think about that's someone, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. We 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 are only acknowledging their work on screen, uh, and it is no way an endorsement of their personal actions. Because it seems like monsters. every couple, <laughs> every couple movies, we got to stop and talk about Jeffrey Jones or fucking whoever, you know. And it's like, I, I no, I just get tired of doing it. <laughs> no, you know what? I think I think that is a really solid rule. Um, because you're right, you're right. We, we, we do have these conversations all the time and it is a pain in the ass and, you know, we tap dance around it. And, you know, I think, I think it's a legitimate stance to say, I really enjoy his work in this film. You know, I think that is the a legitimate stance. And so I'm going to say that I really enjoy his work in this film. Like I, I really like him in this movie. I really like Joaquin in this movie. He's kind of a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I really like him in this movie. I think uh, the kids are fantastic in the movie. Like the performances are amazing. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'm I'm down with your I'm down with your uh, your idea your your rule. Uh, we don't we don't have to go into it. Yeah, I think what I'm going to do is write a little disclaimer just to throw in the notes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Anyway, um, so me, I think this might have been the first M Night Shyamalan movie I have ever seen. I can't remember if I saw this or Unbreakable first, and I remember just being blown away by it and its themes around faith and just the incredible acting. And so, uh, and then I saw Unbreakable, and for a long time, I said Unbreakable was my favorite Shyamalan movie. Having watched this now trilogy of films, uh, Six Sense, Unbreakable, and, and, and Signs, and I don't want to know from you eric and obviously mark has already said this is his favorite but one of these three is going to be our number one but it has there ever been can you think of another person director or anything where they've just delivered three what i would consider a plus damn near 10 out of 10 films in a row like we had that thing in C with Spielberg where it was the war, uh, Lincoln, horse, war horse spies and lincoln yeah. spies which were all amazing films. I think these three are better. You could put any one of these three up against any one of those three. To me, I like them more. And it's just consistent. Like each of these movies, I walked away from this for this rewatching being like, yeah, this is my favorite director. I love this stuff. This stuff is so good. Yeah. I find it hard to compare it. I feel it's kind of apples and oranges, right? With those, with those movies. But I will say that this is a hell of an opening salvo, right? Like, like dude came out swinging hard, just like pow, 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 six cents, unbreakable bitches signs, blow. And like, where do you go from there? You know, like it's like, he came out so strong. Uh, it's, it's, it's a pretty unbelievable trilogy of films to deliver back to back like that. Uh, yeah. So as we said, we talked about the cast. We got uh, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, and I think this is her first appearance in a film. Maybe yeah, I think this was this was her first movie. Because yeah. for a long, like, it didn't dawn on me that she was in this until this rewatching. Because I always thought of Little Miss Sunshine as her first role, but she's clearly a lot younger in this film. She's tiny in this movie. Like, I forgot is, how little she is. She is awesome in this film. Um. She is, she's cute, uh, but she plays such a huge role in this film. Uh, and I, I'm, I mean, she's got to be what six here, 
five, six. I'm going to find out. Uh, but she's so competent. Yeah, in, six. Yeah, she should have been around six. She's so competent in, in acting next to these these are very accomplished actors and and it does it's very it's very natural she's she's just very natural there's now there's some you know kind of kitty things that she does and you're just like ah okay but for the most part she is she's awesome um i enjoyed her performance much more than i enjoyed rory culkin's performance I, I thought he was good too I, I think they're both really good i think i think in general like the m night kids they're they're cute without being cutesy you know and they're very naturalistic performances, right? Like, I, I love the shot where uh, he's standing, Rory Culkin is standing at the edge of the cornfield, and Mel Gibson's talking to him, and he's like, what, what's happening? And he just kind of reaches over and grabs his face and, like, turns his face towards the towards the corn. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, uh, Kieran, Kieran is the best Culkin. I'm going to just throw Agreed. that out there. He's the yeah. best Culkin. But I think that this kid, like, really does a good job. And I don't know what else he went on to do. Like, is Rory Scream. Culkin- he was in Scream 4. Okay. He was one of the killers. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to watch that again. But uh, I, I, I do think that, that his performance is pretty, pretty good in this. Like, uh, I mean, neither one of them are showy. Right, they're not like yeah. big showy kid performances. There's not an like a lot of like crying and histrionics and and so on and so forth. Um, in general, you know, like the rest of the movies, they're, they're kind of quiet. And, and 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 particularly as kids in movies, like they're pretty still. Like both of them, they're pretty still. They're pretty quiet. They're pretty subdued, just like everybody else in this movie. You know, like I one of the things that really strikes me watching this is just how reserved with physical motion every performance in this movie is. Mm. Like if you think about how Mel Gibson walks in this movies with his hands down by his sides, you know, like, like even when they're running, like nobody's like pumping their arms and doing the Tom Cruise run. Right. Like everybody is very like as still as they can possibly be in any given moment. You know, like nobody well, is. But wasting. then there's a whole scene dedicated to them being as loud as possible. Oh, and that's the where Joaquin's like, "All right, you go to the right. I'm going to the left. You just be crazy." That I love that. This movie's really funny. Like, there are a lot of really funny moments. And the one where they he has Mel Gibson be like, "I'm angry, ass," and he's like, "I swear, I swear." Did you hear me? Um, I really loved that scene. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I guess Abigail Breslin has the little dance scene where she. Where she shows the dance that the people are doing on oh, TV, yeah. which is they're doing this freaking adorable. Um, but for the most part, you know, it's a pretty, it's a pretty quiet movie. You know, like like it's quiet enough that you can hear the crickets outside and you can hear the wind kind of rustling the corn slightly. And I think like that continues on into the performances and and the way they're all so still and quiet throughout the film. It's it's Mel Gibson's most subdued performance I think he's ever given. Um, and it is phenomenal. He is, he plays such a, uh, quiet, but, um, just all of the, the, the physical, uh, I guess anguish that he is, his character is feeling in the film. He shows in his face, but he never says it. Um, and it just it's one of my it's one of my 
uh, favorite Mel Gibson performances is because it's so different and so um, uh, opposite of what he usually does, or not usually, but just yeah. I mean, no, he's he's known for being like kind of. Larger than life. Larger than life. Crazy. Yeah. Over the top. You know, yeah. screaming with the Braveheart face on or, you know, yeah. doing the, the lethal weapon, you know, whoop, 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 you know, <laughs> like, yeah, he's, he's a, a bit of a... Yeah, I think around it, this it, time, too, was this, his, uh, and, and so What this, Women Want era. Uh, yeah, this it was like, two. <laughs> what Women Want was in 2000. So anyways, yeah. Um, but, you know, he is... And he's the catalyst for everything in the film, really. Uh, every every character plays off of him, and he man he delivers. Um, I don't know, like, I don't know if he he wasn't nominated or anything for this film, but he no, I don't been. know the Shyamalan ever gets nominated for anything. Mm, Six Sense, there were there was like a wave okay, of nominations yeah. for Six Sense, but I think that was probably it. Like, yeah, yeah. But he he um I mean he he acts his ass off in this film and. And it's a lot of nonverbal stuff. And uh, th- I just, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed his performance here. Yeah, I, I mean, I fully agree. Um, but I, so the movie, as everyone knows or should know by now, is about aliens coming to Earth. But it's really more about the family and the dynamic of the, the four core main characters and of course, dealing with grief and forgiveness and faith, and it's these heavy themes. And we talked about it before with some of his other work, but to me, this is his like opus of f- like faith, like what faith means, um, choosing to believe something over you know not knowing. Yeah, and I think and and that's what attracted me to it so much, and why I like it so much is because of its sort of fearlessness in asking those questions that our main character Mel Gibson has, you know, his questions of, Hey, life can be random. My, my wife died. It was random, you know, and then other people can take the side of Joaquin Phoenix where he's like, Hey, I turned to take out my gum and this girl threw up and she would have thrown up in my mouth. I believe that things happen for a reason. And, um, and doing that in an alien movie and making it so, special like it's beautifully done and i can't really express everything i want to say well, but mel go ahead because mel is uh, go ahead i'm sorry i just I, we, we can dig a lot more into the themes of the movies but i want to i want to get back to what you're saying about doing it in an alien movie because like this movie is somewhat divisive, right? There is there are a subset of people and you bring this movie up and they're like, "Oh, the aliens are stupid. Oh, why would they come all this way? Why aren't they wearing spacesuits? They should have known they were, you know, allergic to water. Why would they come to a planet covered in water? It's stupid." You know, and I've had this argument so many times with people over the years and I get into like all this minutia of like, well, maybe the aliens didn't, they weren't aware. Maybe they don't live on a planet with no water. They didn't. But really the whole point of it, it's not about the aliens. Like this is not a movie about the aliens. And I think that anybody that gets so stuck on the aliens that they miss the point of the movie, they're saying more about 
themselves than they are about the movie. Like, like if somebody yeah. like gets into like all the minutia of the aliens and how they work in the water and da 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 da, I'm like, okay, you're just telling me that you're a stupid person and you have no spiritual life and you weren't paying attention in English class and you don't worry about the meaning behind anything and fuck you. Like, that's kind of feeling that I have about it. It makes me crazy because I'm like, you're missing the riches of this movie. You know, right. like this is a movie to be mined for spiritual gold and you're missing out on that because you're so caught up about the stupid fucking aliens, you know, like it, it could have been anything. It could have been zombies. It could have been demons. I saw a, a take on uh, screen rant when I was doing research about the movie where people had a theory that the aliens were demons and that his <laughs> lack of faith was summoning the demons and that they were allergic to the water because it was holy water because it was in the house of a preacher. Oh, like, kiss my butt. Yeah. Yeah. It's nonsense. Right. <laughs> but the whole point is that, like the aliens are just the device to deliver the meaning in the movie. And, and you know, like, it could have, it could have been locusts. It could have been like whatever ghosts, you know, like it's, it's not specific to the aliens. Now that said, I think the aliens are pretty effective. Like at the yeah. end, it's a little shady looking like special effects wise, whatever. It's the thing I like old, about, but he effective. does a fairly deep, he does a decent job of not showing them, right? Yes. Like you, only a few parts of the movie where you really go, Ugh. but what I like is when he's bringing the TV into the living room right at the end of the movie and he turns and you see the shadow in the TV and a lot of it is through the reflection. I'm like, that's yeah. such a creative way to show the monster without showing the monster. And I, and you know, as always with a lot of horror movies, the scariest thing is the thing you don't see. Right. And I, I love that. What? Well, in my opinion, one of cinema's greatest, uh, it's not really a jump scare, but reveal, is Joaquin Phoenix in the closet yes, watching dude. the new cast. It's, it, it is a top five uh, movie reveal, to, in, in my opinion. It is it, it blew me away when I first saw it. I, I watched it, I think I saw it on DVD. I didn't go to the theater to see it. Uh, but I was watching it on DVD, and it was late night. I think I was watching in my room. And I'm a teenager, and... Like like Joaquin, I'm watching in the dark, and that scene comes on, and, and the and the alien walks across uh, from this found footage, uh, and my ass got up and turned the light on, um, <laughs> and and I was like, what the fuck? And I uh, like it was legitimately scary, uh, and it's it is not it's not a jump scare, it's not a it's just this reveal. You've you've gone the entire film, or you know about midway through the the film. And you've not seen it. You've seen, you know, kind of silhouettes and you've seen little things, but you haven't seen the full reveal. And when it's revealed, it is magnificent. You're it right. Is, You're right. It it's, is and it's, all time. It's not great. a jump scare. And I always think of it as a jump scare, but it's not. Yeah. And it really works. Like, like I did see this at the theater. Uh, this was when I was going to see the movies on opening night and so on. I did see this opening night. That was a big moment in the theater, man. Like, it got loud in there when that happened. Um, and last I mean, night, audible watching, gasp. Exactly. Like, <gasps> watching it with my daughter, I was able to watch somebody seeing it for the first time. And it was so fun to watch all these moments work on her. I was terrified she wasn't going to go to sleep last night, but she slept okay. <laughs> but like, like it, seeing her react to that, like, oh my God, and like curl up in this little ball mm -hmm. on the sofa. Like, 
Mm, beautiful. Yeah, really well done. <laughs> yeah, and we just this is a a very slow paced horror film. Um, it, uh, it it might be one of the first, not first, because we've talked about elevated horror before, but it's one of those movies that, yeah, it's horror, especially when they're in the basement and they're knocking the lights out, and when Rory Culkin is standing in front of the vent, and then the arm moves, and just the little simple things that make it so effective. But this is a frightening movie, especially the first time you see it, and if you're watching it in the dark, um, it can be quite intense. Yeah, it's 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 really good, and and like Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, it gets a lot of, uh, it gets a lot of mileage out of these conversations, right? And and like these these kind of sucker punches that it delivers to you through the conversations. I love M Knight's cameo scene in this. It's not really a cameo, but his part in this. It's a small yeah. He part. actually this is like a role. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but where he's he's apologizing for you know like when he's sitting in the truck and he's telling him like i'm sorry for what i did to you and yours because you know he had accidentally hit and killed the the father's wife and and then at the very end he goes don't go in my pantry i locked one of them in there and he just turns on the car and takes off it's like oh damn like he just dropped a bomb you know and uh it's so good because then you know uh, he's got to go in there you know you know he's got to go in there and um well, his, cu- his curiosity um, of of seeing seeing this thing that he knows is real. He knows well, it's he real. doesn't know it's an alien yet. No, right? no, no, no. He but hasn't. He, he knows there's something tangible in yeah. the, in that house. Um, he knows there's something tangible in his cornfields. He knows there's something around his house. He just hasn't seen it yet, and it's it's his it's his belief uh, that is 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 really kind of blocking him from from facing it and then he goes in the house and then he sticks the the knife under the door and it's just i mean it's 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 all it's all fantastic it it is great storytelling um and then you know uh i'm cutting off the fingers after you know the the thing and that that's a great horror that's your jump scare yeah um and it just that the entire the entire way you're watching this film and you're just having you're having to cling on to hey there's there's going to be this thing that pays off soon there's going to be this thing that pays off soon. and and every step of the way there's something that pays off and to me that's that's I don't know why M Night doesn't do more horror films um the I mean I know, I know he tries but um like I don't know why he does it pretty good <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't you should watch the visit. You should watch the visit. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> I don't know why he doesn't um, do more grounded horror like this. Um, and you, you all will get into down weeks down the road of you know. Well, his, I mean, his the failed visit's attempts, kind but. of a horror movie. You know, you got the monsters in the woods, and you know all that stuff. Yeah, but, I, I, but what you were saying about like the things that pay off. There's also things that kind of don't pay off that deliver just as much suspense like i love the scene where joaquin takes the rock and he 
throws it into the cornfield and you're just waiting you're yeah you're just, waiting for it you're to come, just yeah. waiting for it to come back and it doesn't you know uh <laughs> i kind of i like that but you're right there are things that pay off way later like them tying the poor dog to the shed and then like oh we're gonna go get the dog after dinner they never go get the dog and then they all just have to stand there and listen to that dog get killed out in the uh out in the yard you know and it's like it's like a long game you know set up and payoff but it's so uncomfortable and creepy and scary and awful when it happens um yeah so good there's so many good moments in this movie so so good what about the uh the scene one of the only scenes that takes a, takes the entire family outside of the house uh where they go to the they go to town and um you know, then they eat eat lunch or whatever it is at the pizza place. Um, M. Night's framing of these uh, um, scenes where they're all at the table, uh, and there's several of them throughout the film. I think this this may be the first one where they're all eating at the table, and it's just kind of I don't even know the word for it, but. Like he, he zooms out from that that booth at the the diner or the pizza place or whatever, and it's just kind of like Mel Gibson's. He's come to realization that hey, this might be the last time that we eat a meal together, um, and you know, and he's just putting a piece of pizza in his mouth, and it's just it, it's so well done in the framing of the shot, and there's no dialogue at the you know as he's zooming out from from the 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 pizza table. And I just, I'm just interested in what you guys thought of 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 that oh, sequence. Well, my favorite part, though, is like when he's in the drugstore and the girl's confessing to him all of her sins because she needs to get it off her chest since it's the end of the world. And the first thing he does, I don't want any of you hanging out with Patsy over, you know, whatever her <laughs> name is, because of all the stuff she told him about. Loved that. Um, my favorite part is when Meryl goes into the army recruiting place and oh, that yeah, really like stereotypical Dude. army guy gives him this like basically explanation of what's going on with the aliens. It is a full voiceover like the guy they got <laughs> to do that scene is got the voice for it. Like Absolutely. Yeah. It, it feels outside of the movie almost. I was like, this is the like, guy that voices every like military commander in DreamWorks animation films. Like it's gotta be this guy <laughs> because like he yeah. just looks the part and he, you know, and he gives that speech. I've got it figured. You do? I've had two separate folks tell me there've been strangers around these parts last couple nights. Can't tell what they look like, because they're staying in the shadows, covert-like. Nobody's been hurt, mind you, and that's the giveaway. I see. It's called probing. It's a military procedure. You send out a reconnaissance group, very small, check things out. Not to engage, but to evaluate the situation, evaluate the level of danger, make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of them. But yeah, I think that whole sequence is great because it, it focuses on uh, each of them. It delivers like some good backstory for each of them. And then, you know, it all kind of wraps up with that joke. And then, like you said, boom, it goes silent and just the realization well, starts setting in on yeah. all of them, you know? Yeah. Well, and then they go to the uh, 
the bookstore and you got the guy at the bookstore watching the aliens just no man it's the soda companies they just want to sell soda and he's counting the coke commercials that come up that guy had me rolling really funny stuff and of course rory buys the alien book to bring it home um and 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 like you said though so so much of this movie actually as a floridian reminded me of preparing for a hurricane like the let's go out and get our supplies we'll 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 have chinese food or whatever so we don't have to worry about cooking tonight and you know and then you get home and you literally board your doors up and you board your windows up and then you sit huddled in the dark yeah I just guess kind of waiting for this to maybe pass there's kind of that element of like is it real is it gonna hit you know like like this kind of doubt like are we just wasting our time doing this are we you know or is something really gonna happen you know like similar to when a storm is coming you know like yeah. ah, you know 90 percent, it's gonna blow over us but there's that 10 percent, and it could be real and it's gonna get us this time you know so i guess we ought to prepare and uh yeah jeff you board up your windows during a hurricane no not once not once right <laughs> i don't live on the coast so i don't like <laughs> mostly that's reserved for people who live on the coast that's my brother right. lives on the coast and he has that's boarded for, up that's his for reserved before. for scared ass folks we ain't no scared okay. ass bitches alright when a tree comes through you know, I've been to your house you don't have any trees that's right yeah. no, no trees Smart. here we don't anyway. we don't have hurricanes in Ohio we, we actually had one like <laughs> six now more like 12 no, years ago no you don't get hurricanes no, you no. get tropical depressions no, no, and no, storms no, no. by the time no, they no. get there hurricane made it all the way up here as hurricane uh, 12 13 years ago and wrecked <laughs> that's all we remember shop, of it hurricane like wrecked the fucking everything and we had sent all our dudes down to you guys to help rebuild your shit we appreciate so, it so all of our dudes were gone like the whole city was out of power for like 10 days it was a shit show man anyhow go ahead. yeah well you don't trim your trees in preparation like we well, do no, every it's Ohio. time we don't get fucking hurt around this time of year if you drive down the highway you see these guys with these gigantic machines just trimming anything that hangs over a power line uh yeah anyway yeah we get so ice we're back at ice the house. down trees that's what we get there you go all right so we're back at the house back at the house now the they there's i think some more stuff that happens around the book and the the tinfoil hats but really to me when the movie kind of so from this point i'm like this is enjoyable but then the movie it is still not next level for me yet until they start to have dinner, right? Where they've boarded up the house and everything. And then, and he's like, okay, I'm going to make some sandwiches. And Abigail Breslin says, I want spaghetti. And he's like, no, we're going to make it. No, Mel Gibson says, spaghetti sounds great. What about you? French toast and potatoes. Mm, now we're talking, you know, I love that little scene where he's just trying to create this good moment before the shit hits the fan. Right. And he, and, you know, I, I want teriyaki and I want a hamburger with double bacon. And so they do it and they get it all. And you see the kitchen's a mess and they get it all set up and no one's fucking eating a thing. <laughs> and you get this moment where Rory's like, I, shouldn't we pray? And this is where Mel really just kind of hits the bottom of like, listen, man, I've been shit on and shit on and shit on. I'm done praying. And I think there's a parallel to this scene that happens later in the movie, but where Rory Culkin says, I hate you. And then he starts eating. And then later in the movie, when 
uh, Mel Gibson's holding his son because of the uh, asthma. asthma attack, and he's like, yell, you know, talking to God, I hate you, you know. Really good scene, but like this scene at the dinner table really kind of is when I start getting teared up and stuff because yeah. he's like, he's just his son has just told him he hates him and he's too angry to respond in a proper way. So he starts eating everyone else's food and then he starts crying. And the first person to approach him and hug him is Rory, who's the one who said he hates him. And I think his son realizes in that moment that, hey, your dad's growing through shit too. And then Abigail comes up and hugs, and then he reaches oh, over. I love, and I love the reach. Meryl. I love the reach <laughs> yeah. for Joaquin. Um, it's because Joaquin's yeah. just kind of sitting there, and he just Milk has got his head down, and he just reaches out and grabs him by the. It's so, it's so good. It's the best scene in the movie to, to me. Um, is because it's a culmination of everything, and everything that takes place in the basement is is really really good. Uh, but it's the scene at the table, and that's you know what I draw back to is is that they're having this last meal. Um, what they, and like you said, it, he wanted everybody to, to kind of feel, you know, feel normalcy or whatever, but it's the last meal. And um, he, he wanted to make sure everybody got what they wanted before they potentially died. And and then the scene, the scene ends when you hear some shit going on outside. And then they got to go to the basement. And man, it's it's so fucking good. Um, it makes me want to watch this movie right fucking now, right? Actually, yeah, um, yeah. You know what? I had forgotten how like how much they are kind of aware of what's going on in the world through the TV. Like I'd forgotten that like, oh shit, there are over two hundred and seventy four cities, and there's all these ships, and it's happening tonight, and it's going down globally. You know, and, and oh, damn, they're like centered on the crop circles. And oh, shit, one of the crop circles is in mm. our backyard. And, <laughs> like, I'd kind of forgotten, like, how clear it is to them that the shit is going down now, you know, and um, and it's big. It's not just here. Like, it's not just localized. It's like this global situation. Um, and I, I think it's so awesome the way that that's portrayed, like just through the news reports on the TV, minimal special effects. You never see a ship. You just see these little twinkly lights, you know, on the news reports on the TV above Mexico city. And, uh, it avoids any sort of like, you know, lasers and falling down buildings and all of that in favor of things that go bump in the night in the house. And get so much more mileage out of them, you know. It's, yeah. it's so much more scary when you don't when you don't see, you know, yeah. the, you know they're on the roof, they're in the house. Oh shit, the attic door, you know. <laughs> like it's so good. It's just so so amazingly so, good. I want to talk about after this dinner scene. There's a change in Mel Gibson, right? Because he's still kind of keeping even his family at a distance. Uh, emotionally speaking. And then after the dinner, when they're putting up the boards, he talks to Bo about when she was born and how they say, babies this young, don't smile. You were smiling and I'm tearing up. And then, you know, he tells the story to Rory Culkin's character. And what happens is, so he's a reverend. And at some point after that dinner, during that dinner, even his pastoral mode kind of kicks on a little bit. So they have the scene again at the uh, where he's at the drugstore and she's like, I need to odd flowed this. I need to talk about what's going on with me because she needs comfort. 
right? And he's just not really there for it. He's kind of like, okay, listening, and then he moves on. But at, at this point now with his kids, he's comforting them. He's speaking goodness over them and kind of, and he's doing what, in my opinion, pastors should be doing um, and, and offering that comfort and being loving to them in this way. Um, that really affected me again a lot because anything that happens like with him and his kid, it just gets me every time um, because he is having such a hard time. And yet things are still kind of working out anyway in their relationship because they do love each other. Like they forgive each other and get over their discretions. And I just really like those two scenes where he's telling the kids about when they were born. Well, we haven't even talked about the flashback scenes you know, to his wife actually dying. Um, and and oh my in my opinion, you know, why he has really renounced his faith. Um, and then, the, the you know, so up to this point in the basement, we, we get flashbacks um, and they're short flashbacks. They're not, they're not long, long scenes. You're getting little pieces, little yeah. pieces. Right. And then we finally of, of, um, it's him driving up to the scene where of the car crash and his wife's uh, body, and and then you know the the police officer, um, you know, telling him, "Hey, she deserves an Oscar for that performance in that moment when she is telling him." Uh, this is Sherry Jones, is the actress, Officer Saki or Paskey, and she's telling him. Hey, you know, M. Night Shyamalan, Ray was in an accident. And the first thing he says is, is Ray okay? Yeah. Ray's fine. Um, but your wife's not. And she's been pinched into the car. She's not in any pain. And, you know, he exp- she explains to him, and she's trying to keep it together, which is what is so effective about her performance, is someone showing that they're trying to keep it together and not quite being able to do it and uh and then she says do you understand what i'm telling you and he says this is the last conversation i'm going to have with my wife and they cut back to her face and a a facade of pride almost like she's talking to a young child who's now learned a major life lesson is like yes that's correct you understand and she's trying to comfort him. I don't know. It's a beautiful scene. And she is masterful she's in her a performance. Wonderful she's wonderful actor. She's wonderful. Have you guys seen the Apple TV show uh, Six, Day- nope. Six Days at Memorial or something like that? <laughs> it's about the hospital after Hurricane Katrina. And the, it's, it's like a nonfiction thing where, like, they're in the hospital. There's no power. They're trying to keep the patients alive and, and, and like, kind of, like mitigate the disaster that's happening all around. And she's like the person in charge of the hospital in the, in the show. And it's, if you get a chance to check it out, you definitely should. It's, it's really, really good. She's also in the village. Yeah, she is. Have you guys, uh, are you guys, do you guys remember a show called, um, homicide life on the street? Negative. Kind of like a law and order sort of deal in the nineties. I think maybe late eighties, there was an episode of that show uh, and the guest star was Vincent D'Onofrio. And the story of the show was somebody 
D'Onofrio was like a business dick in New York, right? And somebody pushes him towards the train in the subway, and he falls between the train and the platform and gets pinched like the woman in this in, in this movie. And the deal is when they push the train away from him, all of his guts are going to fall out and he's going to die, right? But he doesn't know it. And so they're there and they're questioning him and like trying to figure out who killed him while he's still alive. And he's such a prick. He's just like, get me out of here. I need to go to a meeting, you assholes. Like, what's taking so long? It's just a great, great episode of television. But that's that's what this reminds me of every single time, uh, because the, the, simula- the situation is so similar and it's so hideous and dire. You know, like, it's just so dire. Like, you got somebody there and they're alive, but it's only temporary. And you know they're going to die, but you can still talk to them. And, yeah, it's just really, it gets me, man. Like, it's a heck of a moment. It is a, well, it is I, a heck of a moment. I yeah. mean, the uh, it's the um, what she says to um, Mel Gibson's character, you know. And she's telling, you know, hey, tell, you know, whatever the kids are names. Um, you know, Bowen, tell them this. Rory Culkin. T- right, Rory Culkin. Uh, tell them this. Bowen. Tell them that. And then tell Meryl uh, to swing away, and um, and then that 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 dialogue pays off. Um, you Boy, know, does it? Do you so let's, do you think in that moment that she is having some sort of vision? Because of course he states very clearly at first that he feels like this is just some synapse firing in her brain, you know. Um, and that's all that she could muster for her final message to Meryl. Uh, but do you think, like, after seeing the scope of the film, you know, in that moment she is actually delivering a message? Uh, I mean, I think the argument could be made for it. You know, the religious yeah. argument of, you know, that was God's way of talking to him in the in the moment. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I, I don't it's like a prophecy. Yeah. Like a prophecy. Uh, exactly. That's a sets up the rest of the film um i think the movie leaves that to your interpretation which is what i like about the movie is uh that it while it could be seen as being pro-faith which i think it is and i appreciate um uh it does allow you to kind of make that decision like you can still leave this movie and be like yeah it's still a lot of coincidence you know and still leave the movie being the coincidence guy yeah right or you can leave the movie being the everything happens for a reason guy and i i kind of appreciate about that so i don't think the movie tells you that but i certainly believe that now mel gibson by the end of the film believes that and it makes his life a lot easier to live because that's what he believes yeah you guys you guys have talked about like your favorite scenes in the movie my favorite scene in the movie and i think the spiritual core of the movie is that conversation between Mel Gibson and Merrill where he Merrill's looking for some comfort and he's like, I'm not, that's not what I do anymore, but I'm going to take a swing at this, you know? And then he, he talks about how there are coincidence guys and there are miracle guys, you know? And there, the difference in perception, like some people see things and they think that everything happens for a reason. Some people see things and, and they see, 
you know, just a series of coincidences. You know, what are you seeing? You know, and he comforts Meryl. And then, of course, he just kicks the teeth right out of his mouth and says, there are no such thing. <laughs> there are no miracles. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, and that goes back to that whole thing where I was like, as a as a pastor or a uh, a, a church leader, he's supposed to be that comforter. And he is just not there. Yeah. Yeah. But no I know. I think in it. that that's that's where the theme of the movie I mean, that's that's the theme in the movie. Like, it's delivered right there yes. in that conversation. Like, you could be this or you can be that. And right now I'm this. And at the end of the movie, I'm going to be that. Like, like, I kind of like seeing the forest for the trees, right? Like, but instead of seeing the trees for the forest, like Mel Gibson is just like, I've got a bunch of trees here. I got this tree and the asthma tree and I got the water tree and I got the baseball bat tree. And then all of a sudden he goes... Oh shit! I got a whole fucking. It's a forest. It's a forest. Mm. I see the whole forest. You know, and and yeah. that's what is great about this movie. When I first saw it, I was expecting the twist, the M Night twist, right? And yeah. this doesn't have what I would consider a twist. I've never thought that this movie had a twist, and, and I, to me, instead, it has a moment of payoff, revelation. Payoff. It's yeah, a revelation, yeah. you know, yeah, like, and then just this morning I was kind of thinking about it and chatting with my wife and I was like, oh shit, the other twists are also revelations. It's a character figuring out in the moment what their reality is and the audience is just coming along with them. Right. And it, it, it's just a little less pointed in this one, but it is a moment where somebody's perspective on their situation and their experience takes a massive shift, right? Like, like Bruce Willis realizing he is, he's dead, you know, like all this stuff is, I'm actually dead. Bruce Willis realizing that, you know, comic book villain, whatever. And in this one, it's, it's his mind opening to a different way of looking at his reality or maybe even recapturing uh, that way of looking at his reality that he had lost because of the you know the tragedy in his life, and I don't know, like it made me it made me kind of rethink what the M Night twist really means, and if if they were always intended to be just twists or some greater sort of storytelling device, right? Because I don't I don't see this. When this happens in this movie, it doesn't reframe my experience of the film, right? Like like it does in The Sixth Sense. Like The Sixth Sense reframes. You want to go back and watch that shit again right. immediately because you're like, oh, what did I miss? You know, like it was there the whole time right in front of me. Whereas this is more subtle than that, right? Like you can go back and you can think, oh, well, yes, he had asthma, you know, and that wasn't a secret, you know, like it wasn't like Bruce Willis avoiding touching the chair when he sits down in the sixth sense, you know, and, and, oh, she's leaving the water laying around and that's not really a secret. Either. So you can really kind of put the puzzle pieces together a lot easier. This just kind of, I don't know, reframes the way you're seeing them a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's setting up things to pay off later. I think it's just a proper piece of storytelling. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because whereas the, the whole point of the, um, 
specifically in the sixth sense is that surprise moment, right? He's specifically trying to surprise you. But in this, they pretty well establish, hey, they don't like being near water. You know, they say it two or three times. They make sure you don't miss it. And then she has her problem drinking water. This is contaminated. That's got a hair in it. And they do that three or four times during the movie. So all of it is there for you. And so when it happens, I if you felt tricked, that's on you. <laughs> like, it, it's, I don't know. Yeah. Like, the, the whole, I guess now would be a good time to talk about the water. The aliens in the water. Oh, God. <laughs> They're allergic to water. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I don't give a yeah, shit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> ultimately, I think that's, you know, it's a, um, it's, it's one of those payoffs. It's one of those, you know, Hey, the, you know, Abigail Breslin actually saves the family. Um, my daughter it, said, Bo, you're a hero. When <laughs> the water first hit it and it caused that little thing, <laughs> she was so excited. Like when it hit her, why the water was all laying around, you know, like she was so excited that Bo, you know, was partially responsible for saving everyone. pays off 300%. So like they have the, the poison being shot into the face of Rory Culkin and the, the swing away Meryl. So I get goosebumps when he does it and he looks and he sees the bat and Meryl gets it and he gets his grip on it. And you they do that scene with you get right with your military man. They talk about how, you know, he has the longest home run. You know, he set these records, but he's also got more strikeouts than anyone, too. And so his thing is he's just going to swing at that shit and it sets up for him to just go swing. And you're like, I'm so pumped for Meryl rude for him. Like. What this movie does is I'm so fond of the characters when I'm fist pumping for that character to beat the shit out of that alien. <laughs> That's when I'm in. I'm so sold. I'm like, fuck him up. And, but at the same time, like this movie doesn't give you breaks. Like, so when I was talking about the thing where they're talking where he's telling his kids when they were born at the same time, you're hearing this thump and this bam and this breaking and it's really intense, but he's taking this to have this quiet moment. And yet Meryl's having to worry about the guy coming through the roof. Yeah. Right. And you're still like, Oh, where's my attention? And at the same time, I'm pumping my fist for Meryl to beat the shit out of the alien. But at the same time, the kids outside, uh, Rory's outside with his dad and we don't know if he's alive or dead. And so one thing I realized this viewing that really affected me is there's a, when he's holding Rory at the very end. And he says, that's why he's asthmatic. The poison didn't get in the poison didn't get in. He's not the, usually when I saw that before, I thought he was just stating what he is, the facts, but what he's doing in that moment is practicing faith. This is why he does everything not happens for know. a reason. He does not know that that's the case yet. He does not know that the, uh, the poison isn't in him. He is stating what he wants to become his reality. And he's practicing faith in that. And it, this is the, this viewing is the first time it dawned on me that he wasn't saying, yay, my kid's okay. In that moment, he wasn't sure yet, but he was choosing to believe that he was. And then for the first was, time in the movie, right? Like he was, because there's the awesome moment in the basement the next morning where Meryl's like, you thought we were done last night. And he's like, 
there, I think I, he's like, there's two things I can't handle. Or I can stomach a lot of things, but there's one thing I can't stomach. My brother, who I lo- look up to, losing faith in everything. I don't want to ever see that look in your eyes again. It's an awesome moment. And then, like, the scene outside with him holding Rory and Abigail Breslin's crying. Uh, Meryl is crying. I'm crying. It's an incredible scene that just knocks me over and bowls me on my ass. And then it leaves me after watching these last three movies going, which one's my favorite? I don't fucking know. I love all of these. I think, uh, you know, up to that point at the end of the movie, he has done, Mel Gibson has done his his best to renounce everything, uh, everything that he's ever believed in. Uh, and, for, and the movie does a great job of, of showing why he feels that way. And, and like you said, he's, you know, he's, he's telling himself, this is why at the end. And, um, it's, it's awesome storytelling. Uh, it's, it's actually, it's a master, it's a master class of storytelling. I mean, it, um, it comes down to everything happens for a reason, right? Everything happens for a reason. She left the water around for a reason. Meryl swung at everything for a reason. He had asthma for a reason. You can even extend that out to say his wife had to die to deliver that message. It yeah. happened for a reason. Ray had to fall asleep behind the wheel of the car at that specific moment. Ray even says, it's like it was meant to be. You yeah, know? I fall asleep any other time, I'm in the ditch. It just, it had to happen that way. Like everything had to kind of fall into place. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, so that leads me to, to ask you guys, are you guys miracle guys? Are you guys like everything happens for a reason, people? Or are you everything's a big coincidence, people? Uh, I'll I'll go first. I'm not an overly religious person, um, but I do things. I do believe things happen for a particular reason. Um, I just I don't know. I don't know what those reasons are. Uh, but I'm right. not, I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I was, I was raised religious. Uh, I am not that person now. Um, but you know, I, I can't, I, you know, I can't put my head in the sand and be like, Oh, it's coincidence. Everything's coincidence. Well, you know, if that was the case, you know, everybody would be much different, uh, in the world. But I am a, I am a, everything happens for a reason guy. Do you do you examine your own life and try to determine the things that have happened that have led you to where you are now? I have before. Um, I try not to do that too often, is because I'm like <laughs> you go down the <laughs> rabbit hole. But um, but I, I have I have I have said you know damn uh, you know this happened in my life and now this is happening that had to have happened because of that you know and so um, it's a it's a interesting. Um, a uh, little game that you can play where you know you try to you try to go back and and connect dots and and you know tell yourself well this had to happen because now I'm here um and uh, it, it's it is interesting um you know it's it is it is a uh a deliberate effort in saying yes this is uh this my life is be is what it is because of these things, or I'm just here because 
of all these things that happened. And that's because all these things happened and there wasn't any particular reason why they happened. They just happened and now I'm here. Um, and so it's a, it's, it's a, it is a unique game to play. Yeah. I, I th- one thing that I like about this movie is that it is like Jeff said, it's pro faith, but it's not necessarily pro Christian faith. It's not, right. it's not speaking to a, a particular God. Like this guy is a, I, I am assuming an Episcopalian priest because he's a priest. He's not a reverend, um, but he was married and has children. So I'm saying Episcopal in uh, good, uh, good pickup. Th- well done. Thank you. Well deduced. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> but um, it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily preaching about Christianity per se. It's more about, you know, a benevolent force looking out in your life putting these things in place for you to kind of pick up and and it's like like socrates said uh, the unexamined life is not worth living right and and so i am definitely a person who goes back and tries to play connect the dots with my life you know um like i i when i was in my 20s I dated this really asshole woman, like <laughs> really awful, awful human being. But I can trace, you know, like, oh, well, I had to date her so I could know this other person, so I could know this other person, so I could marry this other person, so I could get this divorce, and then this other thing happened, boom, 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 and now here I am with my wife, you know, and these things all had to happen. Um, I've, I've been playing that game a lot with, with a new baby, like I have new baby, new baby was not supposed to happen i am 51 years old and i have new baby right i had a vasectomy my vasectomy failed shit had to happen like oh that's a miracle baby it is a miracle oh that baby's gonna do great things right we call her impasa baby because she's like (laughs) she is the strongest one she has fought her way through And, and, and and everybody's like oh this baby better go on to do some great shit because like and you know and that's a lot to put on a one month old baby but you know you have these thoughts right like the miracle baby this had to happen and this had to happen and this had to happen and boom now here i am in this house with my wife and my children and this new baby you know and and uh it is an interesting like i said it's an interesting game to play and and i don't mind giving up the idea that i've had any control over it you know like i i don't mind like i like you i'm not a, a very religious person i but i would call myself as opposed to an atheist i would call myself agnostic like i i'm just like i i can't know you know and i'm never gonna right. know and i accept that i'm never gonna know and whatever happens when i die i'm not gonna be surprised by it because <laughs> because uh, you know like it, I, anything is possible in my mind and so i don't mind the idea that there is something guiding me through these various phases of life to put me where i need to be when i need to be there um so i don't know how about you jeff what what are what are your thoughts on all this it's interesting as the person on the of the trio who would consider themselves the most religious or at least the most practicing of a particular faith uh i actually am kind of closer to in the middle of like i think a lot of things happen for a reason clearly uh but there's also a lot of things that don't you know i'm like so i'm more of a some things happen for a reason but uh you know my son getting lice there's nothing spiritual about that (laughs) 
kids get lice. You, you know, know what I mean? You don't know. Um, Butterfly effect, dog. Those lice could have happened for so, a reason. <laughs> like when I take a wrong turn on is, the highway and I'm like, God damn it, I took a wrong turn on the highway. My next thought is always like, oh shit, if I went the other way, maybe I would have died. Like I had to go this so, way, you know? Like I've, I, There's two things. I want to add on to this and finish what, I, what I'm talking about. So yes, you never know, right? If, if you truly... That could be the argument for believing everything happens for a reason. To me, I've been in places, so as someone who's lived in a spiritual world and gone and been around spiritual people, I find sometimes they make things that aren't spiritual, spiritual. So, All like, the time. Uh, you know, like, hey, I uh, there's this infestation of bugs on my thing, and it's a spiritual representation of demons or what i'm no bro you got ants chill the fuck out you know like that's kind of where i'm coming from now like you said i i you know hey i turned right had i gone left i'd have been in a huge accident yes um but i i think um i forgot where i was going with that but yeah i i mean i'm kind of like oh the other part is is i do think a lot of things are hindsight right so um in the church in the christian church there is prophecy and and things like that things that are foretold to happen and there's a a large portion of the church that has pretty much decoded this stuff to what they believe and like beat by beat, like they know everything that's going to happen and they've written books on it and they've written movies about it. And this is how the end of the world is going to happen. And this is what these prophecies mean. And I'm like, what? Like, I've read that. I don't know where you're getting this from. But to me, like when you get those prophecies or like in this movie, when he's got that prophecy from his wife, it's a hindsight thing. It's like, you'll know it when it happens. When he's standing there and Meryl swing away, Meryl, and it clicks and those synapses connect or however you want to explain it, that's when it works. Um, and that's kind of my thing is like if if it's a, a quote from one of my favorite films, one of the most uh, spiritual uh, influencing films on my life, uh, Kung Pao Into the Fist, <laughs> um, where there's a character in the clouds and he's like, stars above and he's like what does that mean he's like well it's a hint you know you'll know it when it happens you'll think back and go oh stars above and you'll get it and to me that's always been like how i explain any sort of like prophecy or foretelling or he's like you'll know it when it happens but anyway that's a long way of saying sure <laughs> yeah i just i feel like sure. i feel like i have a responsibility to like acknowledge acknowledge a miracle when it happens you know like we've talked about like things creepy things that happen in your life you're like don't look at it too close don't look at it too close you don't want to you don't want to drive yourself crazy examining this weird thing that happened uh but then again you know like like the baby like i have to hold that baby and just be like well shit this probably shouldn't have happened. (laughs) This is kind of a miracle that this happened you know and i don't know i just feel like uh like it's it's beyond okay it's almost a responsibility to to just kind of and not like you said not everything like i'll tell you why my kids got lice because the ladies at smoky row children's center throw all the kids hats into the same fucking box that's why they got lice uh so yeah not everything happens you know for some divine reason many things happen for mundane reasons but i do think that 
uh, some things that we may on the surface consider to be mundane when combined with other mundane things can kind of add up to be something more divine. Yeah. I certainly have things in my life that I can point out and say that was ordained. Yeah. That feels planned to me and I didn't plan it, you know, so I, I definitely um, am with you. I just also have the uh, cautionary to caution some folks to be like, hey, man, sometimes just shit happens, you know, <laughs> like sometimes shit happens. Sometimes your car just fucking breaks down, you know, All right, I got what I got one more question for you guys. Are these guys All are right. these guys fucking farmers? What the fuck with this corn? Like, yeah, are, they are farm they, corn. When, when are they farming? I didn't see any farm shit. I don't know. Like, where's the barn? Like, they have a shed. It happens tie, over the course of what three they days? Tie the dog up by the want? shed, but then the cop calls them <laughs> his crops. Is he a farmer? Is he a preacher? Is he a preacher yes. farmer? Do preachers do farms? Do they have time to do both? Can no. you be a good preacher if you're farming corn? No. So here's the thing. His this is a silly question, but this is not um, a silly question. This is the legit question. He's got corn like a motherfucker. Like there is so so much. Perhaps his spouse was managing the farm and possibly any workers that were there while he was pastoring. And then when she passed, he quit pastoring and then managed the farm. And the movie takes place over the course of what two nights, three nights. How much do you want to see, huh? Well, listen. Know. This is this this is a this is an interesting question. Is because um, it goes back to uh, is 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 preaching or pastoring or priesting a full time job? Is uh, should it be a full time job? Is he getting kickbacks from the church? Is he <laughs> is he doing this out of the the goodness of of his heart? Uh, you know, is he doing this uh, while also um, now this is a this is allegory, but good lord, I don't know where this is going, and I'm not uh, sure I want to go there. <laughs> no, he, uh, you know, he, um, the whole the whole uh, reap what you sow. Uh, you know, he is he is a farmer in you know in his yeah. in his day to day, but he is also um, a a pastor and and or a preacher or what, I don't I, I know the differences, yeah, but priest. It's, it's yeah right. He's in uh, the ministry of some sort, right? Um, but is he is he doing that as a means of ways to live? I don't think so. But you know, where is his church? You know, and right. you know, like when when a new pastor comes into a new church, usually they have a house that they put him up in, right? Like the parsonage or whatever they call. So, like when he showed up at this church, where they like, here's your parsonage, and by the way, thirty acres of corn, motherfucker, take care of that shit too. <laughs> like, <laughs> are they a dick hey. church? <laughs> like, Hey, you know, you're also going to have 15-hour work days. We still need someone. <laughs> you're on the hook for all this. To do the corn. <laughs> We're all- you got to preach on Sunday, and that's it. Another six days the rest of the week, time, get corn. Back, corn going. Get on it. Except for the Sabbath. No backhoe, though. You got to go out there and do it by hand. We, right. we won't be providing you with a barn. Here's a shed <laughs> and two dogs. Do what you will. <laughs> that's a good question. It's, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, it's deep, the sort of thing how, I don't bother thinking about. How deep do we go here? <laughs> I think we've done enough. Yeah, yeah, I'm good on signs. <laughs> I, I I do truly love this film uh, beyond reason. Like it, it is, it is really an all time favorite film. Like it's it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. It's uh, uh, another masterpiece, a trilogy of greatness that uh, must be seen. 
Yeah. Yeah. If you have not seen it, don't listen to the alien haters. Uh, get on it immediately. <laughs> if you listened this far and you've never seen Signs, what are you doing? What are you doing with your yeah. time? Come what on. Are go you watch doing? Signs. It's amazing. Yeah, watch Signs. So, so Mark, tell people about uh, where they can find you, what they can look at. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, uh, it's it's a bit uh it's... anyways um <laughs> <laughs> you want to hear this kind of professional podcast it's about the movie draft house where mark and i sit around awkwardly pausing at each other no we don't we usually yell at each other um there's no awkward pauses there you want to hear some shit we review the fountain <laughs> on a recent episode by the time this comes out uh... by Darren Aronofsky, go check uh, that shit out. Anyway, yeah, you can, and you can also uh, find me on Twitter at I heard you liked, uh, where I expound on on a bunch of bullshit that's going on in uh, cinema. But um, but yeah, that's me. That's Mark. Yeah, and thanks also for having me on, guys. The, that's this is awesome. Oh, of course, uh, man. Always. always welcome. This is uh, no, uh, I don't see, know about always always welcome. It's an uh, open invitation. Um, uh, see, I don't know about that. <laughs> but season three, and it's uh, this is awesome. So uh, once again, I appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. And if you want to get in touch with Eric, you can do so on do so on Twitter slash X at Eric. By the time this comes out, it's going to be the oldest thing, and it might be Twitter again. Anyway, you can follow him on Twitter at Eric underscore Hotter. Check out his YouTube page, Eric Hotter. Also, GamingNexus.com for your gaming new reviews and news. You can follow me on Twitter at Podcast by Jeff. You can also check out my other podcast, the aforementioned Movie Draft House, where Mark and I yell about movies. Again, I recommend that Fountain episode that will be out by the time this comes out anyway. So what's coming up next for us, uh, so, Oh, baby. We're going to watch uh cabin in the woods no uh the village it's got your girl in it um you know it it's, someone sent me a picture the other day are, are you a it, bryce dallas howard uh fan oh my gosh go back and listen to the jurassic world episodes but yes but this is the movie that uh um yeah started the infatuation for me oh so uh, it's off. nice this is the first time i was like who is that Jeff, anyway, Jeff likes blind uh, girls. <laughs> well, well, the reason for that is is they can't see, <laughs> and that eliminates a lot of uh, questions. Anyway, um, it's the whole corner you know, of the internet for just blind girls. <laughs> yeah, uh, from 2004, M Night Shyamalan's The Village. We're gonna watch that. This is one I saw in the theater, and I remember walking out, and the guy in front of me going. This is the worst movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> so uh, look forward to that. In two weeks' time, we'll be back uh, with more chronologically. Thanks, y'all. Bye. <laughs>